When I was young, I used to bump crossroads at the intersection. Simile syllables rip them faster than a millisecond. Opposite of the pulling guard, hit them with the misdirection. These rappers sting somebody, get them a fresh breath. Man. These boys, rookies like orientation with 10 freshmen. Spitting whack written's good riddance, that's a death sentence. Defend the throne, pull a malu with the interception. Gun laws non-existent, unlimited Smith and West. I put on for my poly people across the globe A small number, but we worth more than a pot of gold My first love was a Kush blunt in an Optimo Until I met my baby, I told Jane, you gotta go Grow from sea, flow poetry, family straight Never catch me with a groupie hoe, that's a sad mistake Hit the studio, late music where people can relate to No matter how good you do, some people still gon' hate you Stay faithful, this is fate, I was born in Mason Captain of your own ship, watch what what? everyone and welcome back to the two-on-one fantasy podcast i'm your commish tommy mo and you can find me on twitter uh, instagram at two-on-one ffb and today i'm bringing you another off-season episode presented by the undroppables network of podcasts and brought to you by analystdepot.com they are making fantasy analysis easy with all the tools you need to create custom rankings and player data and projection AI. So on today's show, we're gonna talk to you about rookie wide receiver prospects. And to help me do that are two awesome guests from the fantasy football community. These guys are fantastic player evaluators. I trust their opinion on players and you should too. So first up is our second guest from the NFL Draft Bible from all, and also from the football diehards. He's the co-host of On Campus and the Draft Seminar. You may know him better as the Gridiron Scholar, a.k.a. John Lobb, who you can find on Twitter at GridironScall91. What's up, John? Welcome to the two-on-one. Oh, thank you, Tommy. And I must say, you know why I'm glad to be with Jetpack on this show? I'm old enough, man. If I called myself Jetpack in the 1980s, they would have put me away. They would have locked me up. But the world <laughs> is so different, you can actually call yourself Jetpack, and people respect you. That's the difference. I've seen a lot of change in my life, but the jetpack is the best ID in fantasy sports, man. <laughs> so, John, uh, now that you're with uh, NFL Draft Bible, is your claim to fame uh, a little bit more now that you're affiliated with Sports Illustrated, or are you still uh, banking on your your appearance on uh, Jeopardy back in the day? <laughs> It would have to be Jeopardy back in the day, <laughs> but it is nice to be associated <laughs> with Sports Illustrated. Not sure if anyone's watching all that we do, but I am associated with them. <laughs> well, it was great. I mean, I, I'm really stoked to have you on the show because I've been following you for a while uh, back in those Jeopardy days. Uh, but yeah, I think I even shouted you out on either it was like season one or two of this show just because I've been following your takes for so long, especially when it comes to these rookie prospects. And so, you know, oh, when I wanted you. to talk about wide receivers, yeah, I definitely, you know, had to ask you to come on the show with me. I appreciate that. I hope I led you in the right, right direction. Always, always, definitely. <laughs> yeah, that's why I love you guys over there. Um, and so, so you know, you already kind of mentioned our, our next guest. Uh, so next up, I'm not sure if he's actually coming from New York or somewhere out in space because he's the father of modern science. <laughs> the chief rocket scientist with the fantasy football astronauts who, by the way, whose excellent film room powers all the analysis at the Undroppables. What's up, Jetpack Galileo? 
welcome to the two-on-one awesome thanks tommy it's awesome to <laughs> to be here um yeah and john just that that intro that you gave me that that's stellar you know in my 457 years of life i would totally agree with you on the way that things have changed and you know how we're more accepting and understanding of of what's going on and uh yeah just to be able to go by jetpack instead of my normal name galileo uh you know there's something casual about being called that so uh i do enjoy that a little bit more i have been in the church where galileo is buried where I know it must not actually be you, but they do have someone. No, I was gonna say I was gonna say I've been there too. So <laughs> beautiful place. <laughs> I yeah, I can't, I can't really disclose all of that, but a lot of it has to do with traveling and and uh, journeying to outer space and the way that that modifies what happens <laughs> in time out there. Yeah. Um, so yeah, some stuff <laughs> going on. So you can find him at Jetpack Galileo on Twitter. All the fantasy football astronauts, like I said, their film room is fantastic when it comes to rookie uh, evaluation. They have everyone there. Go check out their, their film room at fantasyfootballastronauts.com. And so, like I said, I wanted to bring both these guys on the show because they are fantastic player evaluators. If you're not following them on Twitter, I don't know what you're doing with your life. You need to be following both these guys. If you're playing in any sort of dynasty league or just really interested in rookies and the NFL draft and, and are fans of the game, um, if, even if not fantasy. So, um, but, you know, before we get started and, and talking about rookies, you know, I just wanted to talk about a couple of recent NFL transactions are just things that have happened in the NFL since the last time I did this pod. Um, and, you know, the free agency period, you know, it's still going on, but like a lot of the big names have kind of been signed. A lot of stuff's uh, happened. Uh, but one of the first guys on my list, just to worth mentioning, um, is Sammy Watkins. Sammy Watkins is signing a one-year deal. Um, the Ravens, mean? right? Uh, yeah, the Ravens. The Ravens. Okay, Ravens. that shit out. Don't worry. <laughs> Hey, hey, I have two simple rules, and one I can no longer apply. The first one is don't draft anyone coached by Adam Gase, and that's been incredibly successful for the last two years for me. And then the second rule is never draft Sammy Watkins ever again, no matter what. That's a great rule. I like that rule. So that rule still applies. The Adam Gase rule no longer applies. You know, the other big name that, that could have been the Chiefs, you know, leaving the Chiefs now and, and could have been with the Chiefs is Juju back with Pittsburgh. Um, John, what do you think about his outlook for 2021? Um, is it worth is it worth picking up Juju at all? Is it, you know, do you think that he's going to come back and do anything? Does it hurt Deontay Johnson or Chase Claypool's uh, uh, value at all? Or is it just kind of like Sammy Watkins where it doesn't really matter? The challenge is Ben Roethlisberger. He has a pee-pee arm. He can't throw the ball down the field anymore. I just look at you look at you look at the targets and the receptions for Juju are great. I, I'm going to the top of my head. I think he averaged less than nine yards a catch last year after averaging, like I think in his best season, almost 15 yards a catch. Are you kidding me? You have a stud wide receiver. And your PPR quarterback is averaging nine less than nine yards a throw. I mean, I, I don't even know what to say. There are running backs who get more yards per catch than Juju. So look, he's still a great talent. The ceiling is still there. He's he's still really relatively young. 
But man, as long as he attached to Ben Roethlisberger and the PP arm, I'm out, man. <laughs> so, so Jeff, back uh, when, when Juju had the opportunity to go to the Chiefs, uh, why do you think he stayed with the Steelers and Mr. PPR <laughs> Ben Roethlisberger? <laughs> I, you know, he's pretty comfortable in his man cave, and he can play video games in his little space, and he doesn't have to move anywhere. I, you know, it's got to be it, right? You're com- you know, you you're moved to a city and you're comfortable and you like the city. And I think, yeah, there's there's something about just being home. Um, yeah. and you know, different guy it makes sense for different guys. You forget that or we forget, right? That these are people. And so, you know, just kind of settled down and found a place that he likes and found fans that love him. So yeah, it's it's interesting. I it's a one year deal, right? Yes. Yes. It's a one year deal. So hey, yeah, I understand I why he personally yeah. made the decision. I agree with Jetpack. Oh, yeah. I get the decision. I just don't care for fantasy. I mean, that's all. Right, Unless right. there's a value, like he's in the seventh round, of course I would take him. But I'm not going to target him. I'm not going to reach for him. Nothing like that. Right. Yeah. yeah. I'm, no, I'm with you on his fantasy value, too. So, in other less than exciting news, like I said, this is like the bottom of the that's barrel. That's a great of like segment. Less recent- than exciting news. <laughs> NFL transactions because like it wasn't that you know like fantastic with free agency period but you know then we get like awesome Mitch Trubisky to go back up uh, Josh Allen in in Buffalo um yeah I mean will he throw a pass I mean is it gonna matter yeah you know like yeah I mean and then and then conversely is Andy Dalton now the guy in Chicago is is he actually the guy or is Chicago gonna try to bring in someone else draft someone else trade up or do something because I mean, we've seen Andy Dalton at Dallas, and and he still got it. But I mean, you can't put your entire franchise just on that guy. He's a bridge quarterback, I think. Either the Bears, I think they were hoping that a quarterback might fall. What are they like? Pick eighteen, pick seventeen. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's going to happen now. So I think they're going to be looking for a quarterback next year. And overall, I think Andy Dalton's two games above 500. And I think the Bears are just desperate to save their jobs, the general manager and the coach. So what do you do? You bring in a veteran quarterback who won't hurt you, and you feed David Montgomery the football as much as you can. I mean, they might like someone in the second or third round, but, you know, the odds of hitting there are very slim. I mean, you do get Dak Prescott. You do get Derek Carr. No matter what you think of him, he's a competent NFL second-round pick. The value has been there. Um, so maybe they have a guy that I don't like. I don't like any of the quarterbacks out of the top five. But that could be the franchise. you know. Or you just go next year and hope you're in the top three picks. Right. I mean, there's no logical reason to bring in Dalton long-term. Well, and this is the first year the Bears are drafting with a first-round pick since the Cleo Mack trade. And so they don't have a lot of draft capital or money, cap space to like make a lot of moves to go for that higher-level quarterback and, and trade up. So if they do sign one there, then they're hoping what like someone like Kellen Mond falls to them or you know, and then what you doing. Excuse me, who? That's good. Chris Sims' favorite quarterback, Kellen. Oh my Mike. gosh. I'm glad John watches the games. <laughs> oh my God, dude. I don't even get me started because we'll have a three hour rant. I'm just shocked. I'm like, yeah. have you ever seen the man play? He oh has 47 games on tape. 
47. I probably watched him, unfortunately, for 16 times between scouting, you know, Jake Sternberger, scouting all their big, tall, slow, wide receivers. This year, scouting Isaiah Spiller, Jalen Wiedenheimer. They're, I mean, I like Jimbo Fisher. I've seen Kellen Mond. I will bet my scouting career that Kellen Mond does not make it in the NFL. I just don't, and and none of the benchmark stats. He he doesn't make one benchmark mm-hmm. stat other than games played. That's right. the only thing he has. Forty-seven games played. Right. Everything else is oh my god. Now but does he, are there flashes of brilliance? Yeah, once every freaking three quarters. I mean, like, ah, oh, I'm blown away, dude. I'm blown away. <laughs> Yeah, I watched a lot of Kellen Mond too, unfortunately. Uh, <laughs> doing a lot of prospect review. Uh, and, and yeah, he just to me, he reminds me um, of a slower Colin Kaepernick coming out of Reno, um, where, where, you know, his style of play, even just how he throws the ball, but it's not, he's just not that quick. You know, he, he doesn't have the same breakaway speed to really get down the field and make something happen. And, and I found him, you know, his pocket presence for someone that is a mobile quarterback. Um, a lot of the sacks that I saw him take were kind of his fault for not moving up in the pocket more um, or, or trying to make something happen, be more elusive. And so, yeah, I, it, it's 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 going to be interesting to see. I mean, we saw Andy Dalton be somewhat, like I said, be somewhat successful um, and, and, and the Dallas receivers, you know, have some fantasy success uh, with him there. Um, and so, you know, G- JPG, we are our good friend, uh, the the mayor of Flavortown, whatever his uh, <laughs> handle is going this week. Uh, Tandy man, um, you know, is, is a big Bears fan, and so looking at Andy Dalton now being the quarterback there, like, do you see it has to be somewhat of an upgrade though, right, from Trubisky for um, for Allen Robinson and and uh, and Mooney. Yeah, I I think so. I'm not. I wouldn't say I'm excited or anything like that. But when you're going eight and eight with Mitch Trubisky, uh, you know. Any quarterback that steps in, you might say, "Hey, we got an opportunity to get double double digit wins." You know, you're not that far from. And so, yeah. the thing that really got me was releasing Kyle Fuller. I think that's a huge mistake. So when you lose him, you lose a lot of your defensive prowess on the back end. And then, you know, then what are you? What are we doing? Right? It made sense to at least, you know, at least from the, the logic standpoint of, "Hey, we're eight and eight. You know, well, let's get a quarterback to kind of get us into the playoffs, and we can maybe even compete a little bit." But now they don't have the defense anymore, really, the, the centerpieces around them to do that. So, right. but yeah, offensively, in terms of, you know, what we're looking with, uh, Mooney and Robinson, I think they'll probably retain very similar value, right? Um, yeah, I, I, I wouldn't put them, I wouldn't say Andy Dalton's going to boost them very much, right? Mm-hmm. Alan Robinson was a was a wide receiver one. So, right. he has the opportunity to go. He has opportunity to be that again. Andy Dalton might be the best quarterback he's ever played with. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. That's true. Andy Dalton might be the best quarter Bears quarterback that they've had. Well, yeah. Can you name can you name a better Gosh. one? There, there's a very good <laughs> man. Hey, do you know this is one of my favorite stats I've ever heard? And it's almost too good to be true. The Bears have played football for a hundred years and they never had a passer over four thousand yards in a season. Yep. That is pathetic. <laughs> so I mean, that is pathetic. You stumble oh. into 4,000 yards in the modern NFL. In the modern okay, day, I've too. I've in years. Okay, I'll give you that. Yeah. Yeah. But, man, from like 1985 to now, not to stumble. 
Like, Steve DeBerg was throwing for 4,000 yards in the 80s. I mean, like, please, you just by accident, you would think. Vinny Testaverde on Tampa Bay probably had 4,000 <laughs> yards in a season. The Bears don't have one. That's just unbelievable. So Dome could be their best quarterback. <laughs> yeah, and, and people want to you know say what they want about Derek Carr, um, but the last three years he's got four thousand yards. So yeah, I mean, he's doing that. Yeah, yeah. He'd be the all-time Bears quarterback. <laughs> I mean, in those same stats in Chicago. Well, there was a. I mean, I think he. There was a small rumor at one point that they might trade him to Chicago. I, you know, look, if Derek Carr is an average quarterback, that's the problem. You know, he's not a bad quarterback. He's, he's average. He's yes. he is what he's he is. Average. Yeah. That's that's the problem. I mean, I'm not going to deny it. I'm, I'm Like I said, I'm a Raiders fan. That's that's exactly the truth. I mean, he's, <laughs> I mean that's, look at my I mean, rankings. He's, he's like 16 or 17, like every single year. That's just where he's at. Like, that's how it is. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Um, so, you know, there, there's still a couple of guys that still remain uh, unsigned. Um, some, you know, used to be big names on this list, uh, but do they still have what it takes to, to make a team? Uh, let me just run through this list and let me get a, you know, uh, where where do you think these guys will, would be signed or, or be a good fit for them? Or if you don't think they'll be signed and their career is done. Uh, first guy is James Conner. Is there a good fit, man? I like this young man. I, I saw him at the University of Pittsburgh before he unfortunately had cancer. What he's come back from has been unbelievable. I was rooting for him. Now, granted, the Steelers' offensive line was pathetic last year. So, you know, that's – and that might have been a little bit of Ben Roethlisberger's PP arm. Old age and no one can block for him. Um, but the offense was so bad. I don't know. I think Connor should wait it out to see an injury in training and see if something opens up for him. Cause I don't, I would not as a head coach or general manager tie my bus, my running game to James Connor. And I think he might have more value if someone got hurt in August and he could try to get a better contract. But how can you watch the film the last two years and feel good about James Connor? It's hard. It's hard to hard man. Yeah. At least, yeah, especially last year. I mean, oh. the year before, you're hoping he could still turn into what he was, you know, before and and show flashes of it. But yeah, this past season, it just it was hard. It was hard to watch that. He was JPG. losing carries to Benny Snell. Yeah. I mean, is, isn't that enough? I mean, I mean he, <laughs> he was benched for Benny Snell a lot. I mean, I Benny mean, Snell had that good that good bowl game at Memphis. Oh, yeah. Hey, I love <laughs> Benny Snell at Kentucky. <laughs> I was a big guy. He was a good player, real good at Kentucky. Yeah, over there but, too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> JPG, what do you think about Connor? I yeah, I think he's interesting. I I don't know what teams need a running back. We got Jets, Dolphins. Who's who's left that's really empty? Uh, there's know? four. Let me. That's a good question. Go ahead. You. I'll think. I know I was doing it in my head. There was four teams remaining. But go ahead. Keep talking. You count but, Miami. Yeah. I mean, I but love yeah, Miles. Gaskin, Miami, Jets, Miami. As a as a player, though, I'm I'm interested in, in James yeah. Conner. Bills would be oh, Bills would be great. Cardinals, right? Cardinals. You, Bills would be a good just, fit. You just got Zach Moss. You can you play him just like you would play Zach Moss. It's all the same stuff. But now you have depth, right? I I think you know James' big issue has been injuries, and that's probably going to continue to be the case. But 
when he's healthy, he's fine. And he's like a perfect fit for what the bills are trying to do. I think, um, cause you know, he has a little bit of mix in the passing game too. Um, so yeah, bills would be fantastic. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like that one. That's a good fit. Um, not, I mean, not fantasy wise. Right. But you yeah, know, right. Cause there's people like there, but yeah, games, we're, we're yeah. too far, but football wise, right. you know, bills is a great team for him to go to. Uh, I, I have dreams of Travis Etienne with Josh Allen. But that's a different story. Oh. I need to get a life. i dream of josh allen with etn or javonta williams (laughs) what about uh todd Gurley? is 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 he done or his knees finally gonna give out i know he still wants to play you know shocking i read he's only 26 years of age didn't he look didn't he look like he was 35 years old in atlanta last year i mean he looked older than frank gore he did. And yeah, let's not rough. even talk about Frank Gore. But when Brian Hill looks explosive next to you, <laughs> Brian Hill looked like he exploded out of the offensive line into it, the burst after watching Todd Gurley. I mean, oh, I, I, I mean, what a great runner. But we knew he had knee problems at Georgia. You know, he was able to hide him for, what, two or three years, and then, bam. He just, I think the explosion is, the lateral quickness is gone. The explosion Um, is gone. Acceleration isn't there. I mean, he was brilliant for three years. Yeah. And, 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 you know, last in in Atlanta. And so now Atlanta's left. I think that's another one that's on the list of, uh, there's a running back. Yeah. So, you know, and they have a high draft pick too. Right. But I don't think they'll go, they'll probably go back up quarterback. No one's really looking at running back for them that high, but I no, can see No, they it all before. talk about Kyle Pitts maybe. I don't think they should, but I've heard a lot of people like that. I would go for the – go for the franchise quarterback. But that's – I mean, they need someone after Matt Ryan. Look right. at what the Chiefs did from Alex Smith to Patrick Mahomes. You can play Trey Lance for a year in Atlanta on the bench and yep. then let – you know, then let Matt Ryan go ceremoniously, give him one year – you know, let him let him try to get him back to the playoffs, right? Give right. the veteran one shot, one more shot. Yeah, yeah. get like a forty point lead this time. <laughs> yes. <laughs> JPG, Man, any uh, any love? I was love reading love. that game. I was reading a review <laughs> of that game. They were up twenty eight to three, and they lost the Super Bowl. Holy crap! That gets oh, worse as the year goes by. Yes, like as I, I'm like. They were really just passed, up twenty eight to three. Oh my god! When when March twenty eighth passed, I was hilarious seeing that on Twitter. It was all all the things. Yeah. Um, yeah. Any jetpack? Do you have any uh, prediction? You know, for Gurley and, and another one. You know, being Le'Veon Bell. Oh yeah, um, not so. Yeah, I think both of those guys. Um, not interesting from a fantasy standpoint, but what they've done to the RB market, I do think is interesting. So. Now we're in this category where all the, the people who are looking at these 26-year-old running backs, they hit that age, and they're like, oh, get to the second contract, and then I'm ready to dump them in terms of yeah. dynasty and how you're going to handle these guys. And I think that there's an opportunity there because we've had two of these huge RB1 big-name guys struggle with injuries, and so people are jumping off of these running backs early, and I'm, I'm hoping or I think that you can get a good value on some of these guys as they're 26, right? Because – it's not a body thing in terms of like p- human bodies are, are incapable of doing well. 
we know like Marshall Falk and Priest Holmes. And when you look at right. all these guys, they can play well 28, 29, 30, 31, 32, where the productivity doesn't have to drop off. It's just about a team's willingness to invest. And, you know, really, I think just general health. But if you're not suffering these big injuries, like Bell tore his ACL, Gurley had an ACL history and then had the arthritis. But if, if the, that's not in your history, I think that these 26-year-old guys, you're going to see a big dump in value. And so mm -hmm. if you can pick up some of those guys on the low, because people are looking to sell right away when they're hitting this their second contract, so to me, that's interesting. So a guy like Ezekiel Elliott, I, I think he's going to carry a good amount of value, even though there is, um, you know, Tony Pollard there. But like the conversation around what do we do with these running backs as they hit their second contract, um, to me, that that's where the value is. Yeah. Yeah. And understanding contracts and where they're at too, I think is, right. is huge for dynasty, especially, um, which is one reason why for at the drop we curate, uh, all our contracts over there. Uh, thanks to Dan, uh, at AWL Sabermetrics for keeping up all our contract stuff, uh, up to date. Um, that, that definitely helps, you know, when you're even for redraft too, when you're going, you know, and picking a guy that's going into contract year, um, that's always someone to like take another look at because they might blow up and, or it might be the last year that they're actually going to see them if they're a running back, uh, see them do something. Cause like you said, uh, Jeff Hack, if, if they're, yeah, they're starting to dump them and it sucks too. Cause like Melvin Gordon was almost there too, uh, in the exact yeah. same, uh, group with, with Gurley and, and Bell. Um, but for me, like as, as a, just a lover of the game of football, like it sucks to see, cause I never wanted, I hated when people would say that like running backs don't matter. Cause like playing the game like you know running backs right, yeah, absolutely yeah. matter you need that kind of guy there you yeah. need someone good um and, and and that you know teams don't just want to dump these guys but this situation of the holdouts with the contracts and then getting injured that's what's pushing it more towards really saying yeah that like running backs might not matter as much because you can find someone to replace them because they're or you just why are we going to pay them again you know and so that value definitely disappears and, and and you hate to see it as a football fan, but it's yeah, it's starting to become the absolute truth now with uh, with with the NFL, and and you know you're going to start to pay attention to that for fantasy because that definitely matters, and you know these guys' values can change like by the minute just by what the contract is or where they're signing. Yeah, so I think Derrick Henry is a good study, right? Like mm -hmm. he's he's what 27, 28 now. and there was probably guys last year who were fading him a little bit, and you could have picked yep. him up on the cheap and done well. And because he, he's a guy that the durability is not as much of a question and he doesn't have an injury history that is as big of a deal as Melvin Gordon getting microfracture surgery or, yes. you know, all these other guys who have dealt with knee injuries. If you don't have that as a red flag, then to me, you're a buy at 26, 27, because I know that I can get you cheap. And so yeah. if I'm, you know, holding on to Derrick Henry, then I got I get two or three years left of a top five back. That's that's a no brainer. And people will sell that for cheap just because he's they're hitting 26, 27. Right. Totally. Yeah. It's like, and, and you know, um, and I think another guy too, like a couple of years ago would have been great by would be Mark Ingram, you know, for that one year he had with the Ravens, sure. uh, leaving, leaving the, uh, the saints, you know, I think a lot of people were a lot lower on him. Um, and then he had the opportunity there. Um, DeMarco so, Murray. You know, yeah. Oh, yeah. Man. Top five year when he went to the Titans. I mean, you, mm -hmm. you get, you get one or two years, of a guy being a top five back and it's totally worth it yeah yeah especially for dynasty and especially for running backs you can just cycle through these guys um and, and invest young in in the wide receivers in the draft is always a great way to go or get that guy like you know hopefully jonathan taylor will be that he'll get a nice like three to five six years hopefully out of him um even if he does get re-signed because if he is that generational type of talent um like you know saquon barkley could be 
uh, Christian McCaffrey, then then you're really getting that value. But but we're here to talk about receivers today, not not running backs. And and before we get to receivers for for this topic for for today's show on uh, on rookie prospects, um, let's take a quick minute uh, to to recognize one of our other sponsors. <laughs> And so there's no off-season for style and comfort with over 600-plus fantasy football t-shirts, t-shirts, hats, and hoodies to choose from. You can find a design that fits you. Each piece of apparel has been tried and tested with great brands such as Champion, Next Level, and FlexFit. From Air IU to Zero Running Back, with over 25 fantasy brands as part of the fa- Fantasy Football Collective, find your fit today at ViridianGlobal.com. Love reading global. Um, John, I think actually Mark from Viridian did your new logo today. Oh, or yes, recently? he did. It was great. Or yes, yeah, I love that logo. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. He did a great job. Great uh, Twitter avatar. Um, yeah, and logo over there. So, yeah, go follow uh, Viridian Global. Get all your free, not free, get all your great fantasy football gear from them. Use promo code <laughs> two on one for a great 10% discount. Wide receiver prospects. So let's go off the top with just going through our top five, um, and then we'll go from there. Uh, but, John, why don't you kick us off with your top five wide receiver prospects from this draft class? All right, so I'll go five to one. Number Perfect. five, Jalen Waddle from the great state of Alabama. Number four, Elijah Moore from another SEC product from Mississippi. Number three, Devonta Smith from his Jaden Waddle's teammate, Alabama. Number two, Rashad Bateman from Minnesota. And sitting atop my rankings is Jamar Chase, LSU. Nice. I love it. So any uh, – with Rashad Bateman's pro day and his measurements coming out, any concern at all with, like, any of those numbers? Like, they're not being, you know, stellar, but they weren't terrible. Just any concern for you with those numbers coming out today? I'll be totally honest. I'm putting in my model now. Now, we don't have official. So believe it or not, right. they actually come out with unofficial. I wait until because okay. you will see changes made. Within yes. the next 48 hours, they'll come up with what they call official pro day numbers. So I'm I'm, I'm waiting for that. I'll say okay. this. He's much smaller than I thought because he was 210. But I did hear that he had COVID. And that was not really reported. So that, right. that's a fascinating new fact, which might explain some of his loss and some of his indecision. If you don't know, I um, he first opted out, then he opted in, then he ended up leaving the team a little bit early. So it was a tough year for Rashad Bateman. Now it makes a little bit more sense understanding that he had COVID. But he's faster than I thought in the 40. Now the straight line speed was there when he had breakaway runs on film. But, you know, breakaway speed see on film does not necessarily mean it translates into the 20-yard shuttle, the three-cone, and the 40-yard. I kind of look right. at him as one composite ranking. So um, I see things I haven't actually finished up because I'm. he's probably going to play at 200. I don't think he'll be 210. That's what Minnesota had him at. He was 190 today. I think that's related to the COVID. Let's say he plays six feet, 200 is pretty nice size. You know, mm-hmm. I have to project a little bit that he gets his body in shape, gains some weight, maybe gets with the NFL, um, you know, diet, a staff, 
but I still have him at number two right now. But I will be honest, I do. I'm putting in the early numbers now, and the weight matters. Um, and but the four, I think I have a four three nine. That's pretty moving for a man six zero one ninety. That's moving. Bad. So you know, do you and, trust that four three nine? <laughs> well, so here's I'm looking at it this way. In a perfect world, we'd all be at the combine and we'd be comparing apples to apples. But we are getting a lot of bad numbers in now. So it was interesting on the Twitterverse. Everyone's like, why are these guys doing great? You want to know why? Because Jamar Smith is great. We had a lot of great players go early. Now you've seen Javonta Williams came in a little slower. Michael Carter came in slower. Deami Brown came in slower. So then you start looking at these guys like um, I'm trying to think who else I was looking at the other day who came in slower than I thought. Um, But the point is that we're getting scores across the country because we had early prospects running. I mean, there were some guys that torpedoed. I mean, Seth Williams is moving with like boots on right now. What did he run on? (laughs) Some of these guys like Sage Surratt looks like he wanted to play. You know, he can't play in the XFL at that speed. So, Why? you know, we are the so slow? Oh, my God. So slow, dude. He's uh, not even an NFL. He might not be drafted. There were people who had Sage yeah. Rock in their top three last summer. Right? Oh, I'm I, not, mean, I was raising my hand, but not top three. Not that high. Like, Holy shit. He, he ran in molasses. I mean, he's done. He's torpedoed. I mean, he took a year off, and he yeah. did that. Like, yeah, it wasn't great. I mean, look I, at the difference between Nico Collins, who I actually think Nico Collins is going to get picked in the second round. No like one Nico wants to believe me, but you want to know something? You want an X receiver, and you are looking for an X receiver who can play on the boundary. Now, I know it's rare because he played for the anchor, Harbaugh. There is no worse football coach in the nation than Harbaugh. He is destroying that offense. Why would you ever go to Michigan as an elite athlete? I'm going to go to the SEC or Ohio State. He is literally torpedoing that school because no athletes are going to go there now. You saw what happened to Donovan Peoples-Jones and Nico Collins. Why, if you had a young son... You're never going to send him to Harbaugh. On third and six, he's running fullback blast for two yards. I can say this because I'm a Michigan fan, and I've been bitching for three years on my CFF on-campus podcast. He is absolutely disgusting coach. I actually, and only offensively, that's all I'm talking about. I actually had hope when he brought in Donovan's Peoples-Jones and Nico Collins. Because I said, oh, he's finally getting it. He's bringing in top-level prospects. What did he do? Torpedo their careers. Now, Nico, if you're looking for an X receiver, you look at what he did athletically, and if you watch the tape, he's really good on the boundary. He's physical. He's big. He's Fast as heck. He's more athletic than I ever thought. His 20-yard shuttle and three-cone drill blew me away. He's 6'4", 210, right? I mean, that was unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's going in the second round of the draft, folks. I I'm telling it. you that right now because they're going – look, the best thing I ever learned, and this is not me. This is from George 
um, Young, who used to be the general manager of the Giants in the 80s. And one of his favorite sayings ever, if you don't draft size and speed, you will end up slow and small. Nico Collins, Nico Collins getting drafted in the second round. Yeah. I like it. I love Nico Collins. Yeah. I, I was hoping- he's good on film. You can't look at the Harbaugh is so bad, dude. So bad. Like people don't, if you watch college football, he might be the worst offensive mind in the power five conferences. He is so bad. You can't even make it up. So exclusive here on Two on One Fantasy Sports, John Love telling us how he really feels. That's good. Oh, I'm a Michigan fan for 40 years, and I have to watch this garbage. I, I said if I have to see one more full fullback blast, I mean he's the only coach in the nation running a fullback five times a game for time for nine yards. What the hell is wrong with you? Yeah, he. he so as a Niners fan. I have similar experience watching them <laughs> kind of blow it with these great teams. And so, yeah. you know, you build this monster and you're all excited about what you can be and all this stuff. And he just runs out of creative juice. If he can't, if, if he can't bully anybody, then he's not creative enough to, to win. Yeah. And, you know, that runs out. So we would, we would end up playing the Seahawks in whatever playoff game it was. Right. And they're more creative than us. And they're just as fast or just as big. And so we're not bullying teams anymore. And then it's gone. And so that at the at the college level, when you're not able to recruit yeah. bigger and faster guys than everybody else, then you're just you're just going to get hosed. So that's why yeah, Ohio the, uh, State. The Harbaugh way. That's literally yeah. why Ohio State pimp slaps us. You see <laughs> wide receivers running wide opening forty yards down the field, and then we don't even have a linebacker who can run with their running backs. I mean, it's pathetic. Yeah, when he can bully someone. When he's just got right. bigger, stronger guys, and you can get seven yards on the. Yeah. All right, John. <laughs> so, well, John. No, I've watched this pathetic oh, thing for four years. It drives me crazy. So let's get and to now let's get to Why would out. you go there as a young? Why would you ever go there again? Why would he ever get a top level athlete again? He won't. Not, uh, is I, he, so, John, is he going to stay, or, or how many years? He's yeah, got one year left. Like, I can't believe it. They extended his contract. I want to shoot myself. Like, I got to watch this shit. <laughs> when did they extend him? Over the off season, like sometime in January or early this year. February. Yeah. Oh, you. Oh, it sucks. Man. No, no, they literally cannot. Why would you ever? If you had oh. a son who was a top. 30 recruit at the wide receiver position. Never. At any position. Never. At any position. Jordans. Well, I will say this. <laughs> if you're an offensive lineman or a defensive lineman, Harbaugh gets defensive those guys yeah. in the league. Yeah. But not at the skill position. No. Look at what he did Zach too. Charbonneau. Zach Charbonneau was a top three running back prospect, and now he's left the team. I mean, it's unbelievable. So, so let's get to Jeff Pack and Leo's uh, top five. Uh, we're still at the top five list of wide receivers because I <laughs> definitely like John's. Um, some some small, not eh, maybe one small surprise there, but pretty much like how I've seen it. So, who do you got there at the top five, Jeff Pack? 
Yeah, I think mine's classic. I'll, I'll fall in line with almost everybody. Um, so I'm Terrace Marshall at five, Rashad Bateman at four, uh, Jalen Waddle at three, Devonta Smith at two, and Jamar Chase at one. So not too exciting from a, oh, is this a, a unique take? But I, I mean, I really think that's the way these guys fall. If you, you know, you can mix maybe somebody else into that top five, but everybody's going to have mm-hmm. the same four guys up there. Um, and then, yeah, your, your fifth spots. Really, I, I think when John's talking about Elijah Moore, that's, that's my sixth guy. So we're, we got all those guys up, up there. But. I got a little man crush on Elijah Moore. Man. Yeah, he's a good ball player. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I look at man, I love the film. And then when he did what he did athletically, I mean, I had him number four on film work. And then his numbers at the pro day are just sternly. And especially in the modern day, when you want immediate separation, Elijah Moore is the master at immediate separation. I mean, he, he, he it's so easy to project 80 catches for 950 yards and six touchdowns for Elijah Moore. Like, that's his floor. And then, you know, he could be 1,200 yard depending – on the offense if they use him vertically to attack the safeties. But, like, it's so easy to project him in the modern game. Yeah, and it's interesting, too, with how many, um, you know, you're talking about Nico Collins. Just reminds me of, like, there's it's, it's a little guy draft. You know, you're saying you have a little guy crush on Elijah Moore. There's a lot of smaller guys in this draft class. And, and and I said in a different pod, like, thank God, like guys like Tyreek Hill came into the league to kind of acclimate uh, all these teams to, to smaller guys because you're not finding guys like uh, like uh, Nico Collins or, you know, too many like, well, Rashad Bateman's what, 6'2"? Six, so Rashad Bateman was the big X, but now, yeah. you know, he's not. That's why Nico Collins is actually, if you think about supply and demand, Nico even goes up higher because he, he, I just looked it up. He's 6'4", 215. Yeah. He's like one who is incredibly mm-hmm. – I think he's like in the 95 percentile in like those spark sports yep. score things. Like it's ridiculous what he did at his size athletically. And he is physical. If you watch the film, oh, man, he beats up some people. If you want to see a good physical game, check the game out against Michigan State. He basically pimp slaps the defensive backs of Michigan State. <laughs> I mean, he just takes them to the woodshed, and it is over physically. It is a very interesting game. And if you put that game and now you look at his physical scores, you're like, ooh, ooh, yeah. let me get him on my team. Yeah, and it's those bigger guys like uh, Seth Williams and, and Terrace Marshall that, that had me. Uh, originally, I think I had Terrace Marshall when I first started before I even watched any ounce of film. Uh, I think Terrace Marshall was – I think it was like number three for me, like when I just started, just guys I liked that I'd seen them play um, and I liked their athletic profile. Um, and so JPG to see you still have Terrace there at uh, at five, right? That's it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I like him there. Um, I, I've gone back and forth, though, that fifth spot between uh, who I have ranked there, but I really like Terrace Marshall a lot. Um, and I again, do. I think it's because like there's very few of those bigger body guys, you know, and I think he could fit in there well. Um, because it's still, in, in a lot of ways, still a big man's game in the NFL, um, and in the sea of a lot of smaller guys, uh, you know, the big guys kind of stand out. Well, you know, Tommy, I believe in the simpatico of a wide receiver core. You can't have three Nico Collins. You True. can't have three Rondell Moores. You need receivers with different skill sets. You like Rondell Moore and Elijah Mitchell for an all-out blitz. 
you want immediate separation right. within three yards. That Julian Edelman, Wes Welker. I mean, that's why literally, like, I joke about it, but I'm not. The perfect simpatico was Randy Moss and Wes Welker. They were literally the perfect. You have the Hall of Fame home run hitter, big, physical, fast, strong, and Moss. And then you had Wesley, you had Welker, who just ate up everyone underneath in single coverage. And you had the same thing with Marvin Harrison and Reggie Wayne. You had the big physical, you know, receiver mm-hmm. with Wayne. And then you had the 170-pound freaking master of route running, Marvin Harrison, right? They were the yeah. perfect simpatico. So you have to understand, to me, like you have to understand how you're putting your wide receiver core together, right? Like, I think guys like Rondell Moore don't fit with every team. Like, I think Rondell Moore and Elijah Moore with Michael Thomas would be a dream made in heaven for an offense because they are the exact opposite of what Michael Thomas is. Michael Thomas is physical, big, slant, beats people up, goes on your top defensive back. And then you get Elijah Moore and Rondell Moore who will eat that little single coverage within five yards of the line of scrimmage immediately, right? So I think you have to understand how you build a wide receiver room. That's why I'll go make fun of the Raiders. I think the Raiders have no idea what they're doing in their wide receiver room. Like, it makes no sense. Let me mute you real quick. Let me go ahead. Keep talking. (laughs) No, it's just (laughs) like there's literally nothing to do with it. It makes no sense. You know, what are you doing as the Raiders? Like, there's no simpatico to who they're putting. They're just throwing darts. We'll just keep all the – oh, we'll just – we'll bring in a veteran like Nelson Aguilar. We'll bring in a guy, Henry Ruggs, who can't even catch the ball, can't I run mean, around. Edwards, Edwards, mean, Ruggs, Edwards, Ruggs, and Hunter kind of fit that simpatico. Well, you know, if, that's, that's if Edwards gets on forward. the field. If Edwards gets on the field. You're right. Which he needs to, and he should. Well, I think Ruggs is bad, but that's a different story for a different day. So <laughs> I'm not a rugs guy. I thought that was a terrible pick, but I, um, I didn't like that. I was on a TDDR uh, live stream um, with uh, with Matt Hicks. Actually, he was on the show last time, yeah. um, and and during that pick, and, and I was sitting there just like pumping for CD Lamb, you know, and then literally live like Henry Ruggs came on. I just defeated. Just felt so yeah. bad. Yeah, <laughs> just like, representing the Raiders just crushing the dreams. You're like, oh my God. Uh, hey, I'll say, but I'll backtrack. To, I have Terrence Marshall at number seven. Okay. I like him a lot. My my partner, you just mentioned, Mac Hicks, has sold me more as the process. I have to give Matt credit for that. Um, I was lower on Terrence Marshall. Terrence Marshall. But as I've studied him and Matt talked about him a lot, I realize he is good. Now I have him at seven. You know, Jetpack yeah. has him at five there. So we're in the we're same close. tier, I would think. Yeah. You know, but I, I I mean we're very close. But he's risen up more than any player in the last two months in my at wide receiver. So so my top five, uh, before we move on to the the next six or the next five, uh, I actually have Amon Ross St. Brown at five because I'm a super homer. Um, and, and that kid. Super no, he, he, he went to my high school. He went to my favorite college. Um, so I, I've, I've had mad love for, for Amon Ra for the sun God, uh, since, yeah, since his high school days. So he's, he's in there, uh, number five for me, but I'll, I'll fully admit I'm, I'm being a homer there. Uh, I got Rashad Bateman at four. 
uh, Rondell Moore at three, Jamar Chase at two, and Devontae Smith at one because I am still stuck on Jamar Chase, and I'm hoping it's not take lock. I just I can't find anything wrong with his game. I, I really can't. And, so you're and, betting uh, that he's the unicorn. Film. No, Tommy. Yeah, I, yeah. I get it. You're betting that he's the unicorn. He's the yeah. 170-yard guy. You're betting he's Marvin Harrison. I, that's fine. Yes. That's an absolute <laughs> legitimate take because you cannot love his film. I mean, that's, he's that's an exceptional route runner. Yeah. I, I think the only guy I've seen better in the last three years running routes is Jerry Judy, which yes. is ironic that Alabama had the right. two best route runners. And they were the on the field the same time years. last year. Yeah, I, yeah, I mean, agree. Judy was – but it was close too. But Devonta Smith – but now I will also say this, the other why I have him a little down. They scheme so many passes and yes. manufactured yes. opportunities in 100%. that offense. Like there were times where he just wide open, there's not a defensive back in the screen. And that's because of Sarkeesian yep. had just schemed such a perfect offensive play the defense lost them or got confused. You know, I mean, there was just some brilliant passing right. combinations by Alabama. Yeah, someone had a tweet today that was like, sell me or or, or argue against Devontae Smith without using BMI. And that's, that's exactly what I said. No, there was is that, that. That he there was... Is. He he was scheme. You know they they manufactured so many targets for him. Can he get the same amount of production, the same amount of direct looks uh, in the NFL? You know, and and that's remains to be seen. You know, if he goes to a team that that's really really high on him and will do that, I mean, I, we haven't really seen that happen for a rookie. So good luck. Um, but it's just when I when I see when I watch his tape, um, there's nothing I see that I, I can really knock against him. I mean, even the there's no knock period. on the film. There's when, no when he, knock on the film. And even when he doesn't have the ball in his hands, I mean, he's a great teammate. He's out there blocking. He's out ahead, you know, of, of Manchi or Waddle, you know, trying to throw blocks and try and make things happen. So um, I, I love his tape, especially for that as well. I just um, hope he doesn't try to block some 240-pound <laughs> um, safety in the NFL. Jamal, Jamal Adams yeah, will him and knock him into next oh. week if he's not careful. <laughs> I was just like watching some uh, some some old film of uh, Sean Taylor because you know it's just uh, either his yes. birthday or anniversary is passing. You know, I just seen a, a safety like that. You know, there's not very many safeties like that anymore. But but yeah, seeing someone like that coming across and oh, Tommy, uh, here's. Here's something. Did you? Here's my favorite nickname of all time. They wouldn't even let this this man play in the NFL right now. George Atkinson of the Raiders oh, yeah. in the '70s. His nickname was Doctor Death. Yep. <laughs> Can you no imagine? I mean, no. right? And then, oh my God, George Atkinson and um, who was the assassin? Who was Buster the Hayes? other guy? Um, yeah. No, no, no. Tatum. Jack Tatum. Jack Tatum. Yeah. Jack oh, Tatum. my God. Can you imagine the assassin and Dr. Death, man? Never. <laughs> and I'll tell you, you want to see some violent hits? Oh, yeah. Check out when they used to play Lynn Swan yep. and John Stallworth. And what they did to Lynn Swan, that is some violence going on on that football field, folks. You watch this shit from the 70s? Oh, man, yeah. <laughs> before Same. they had pass interference? Holy crap. There's a play where I thought Lin Swan, you think he's going to die on the field. Like Dr. Jet Death or Jack Tatum just literally take his head off off the off the field, man. It's crazy what they used to do. Forearms and clotheslines, all kinds oh, of clotheslines, dude. To the head. I to mean, head. oh my God. Jack people up, man. <laughs> 
So uh, let's let's go back the other way for for our next five uh, jetpack. Why don't you go with uh, your next six through ten? Yeah, let me pull it up real quick. So yeah, for me, um, I'd say Elijah Moore six, Tylen Wallace seven, Seth Williams eight, Diami Brown or Diami Brown, and then uh, um, so for me. This this ten is tough. I'm with Rondo yeah. or Amonra. Okay. Yeah. Now why uh why Rondo so, so low compared to like so, so many other people? The deal there, I'm I'm going through my film grades and yeah. I haven't built together the rest of the model. So I'll, I'll work those in two parts. But um, just in terms of what we're looking at from a prospect standpoint, I do love Rondo more as a player. Um, and we're talking like when I'm grading the film, a lot of that is about what's his utility, and so he's he's got no vertical game right now um in terms of reps and that's just based on the way that they're scheming him so it's not to say he can't be that right Right. it's just i can't grade that film and so it's not there so i'm not giving him points for like you know running and winning a fade whereas the you know being able to hit that and be be the x that's actually points in my model so um he's a little bit lower um there than like a monra and so you know comparing him to elijah moore elijah moore is much more advanced in terms of what he's been asked to do and then what he can't what he has shown and it's not that you know i would say rondale is probably more athletically gifted um and would be more exciting as a prospect in terms of hey if you plug this guy in can he be something maybe even more than elijah moore um yeah, yeah that's possible but as far as what is he putting on film um that's a question mark um and so you, you're projecting more with rondale and so that's why he's a little bit lower in my film model but as a prospect i mean he's a he's a top 10 receiver of course yeah now watching a uh, Tylen Wallace film, did you see the same thing as I did? Like, I just came away from that like super frustrated at yeah. Oklahoma State's uh, scheme and and how they use Tylen. It seemed like I don't know if it was a quarterback, like just his problem or or the scheme itself, but it seemed like they were really stuck on like whatever the primary receiver was for that play, and they yeah. never like went through progressions. You know, like got to Tylen Wallace like being open a bunch of times, and a lot of times it just seemed like it was like wasted reps for him. Yeah, so I mean, I think the problem with him is if you press him, he's done. Um, and he just did not handle contact well at all, and, and that's a huge deal. So it's for me, it's all about he's, he's boom or bust right away um, mm-hmm. in his game if it translates or not, right? So, um, you know, anybody who's making contact with him, and these are big 12 corners too, so y- right. you expect a little bit more, but he can get, he can get locked up. And so athletically, there's, there's some things to be excited about, and I hope that in the year removed again from ACL tear, that he becomes a little bit more explosive. Um, but the physicality is is the question for me. And so when you're going through, hey, you know, what are my reads and all this stuff? If he's if he's dead on the first few steps, then he's not coming back to you. Um, and and that was part of the issue is Thailand's not not able to escape press at all. Um, and so that's something that was big for me in terms of yeah. you know keeping him out of the top five or wherever. Uh, um, even though analytically he looked good breakout early and all that stuff. Right. Yeah, and then what you say about Rondell Moore too on tape? Um, I'm running into the same issue uh, right now with like Demetric Felton, you know, because if you're trying to grade him out as a wide receiver, which you know he might play uh, in the NFL, majority of his reps are you know from the running back position, so he's not yeah. even the routes he's running and catching the ball. He's not running the same traditional routes as a wide receiver would. Definitely not anything deep um, or, or running a traditional route tree. So um, yeah, it becomes a little bit tougher. And I like what you said there, where you're having to project a little bit more because those plays aren't on tape. Those reps aren't on the film. Right. Yeah. We have Demetric Felton's one-on-ones from the senior bowl and that's it. So you get like, you know, 
six to ten pass plays yeah. to judge off of. Well, and then watching the other games, even like USC, and he's catching a bunch, but it's all yeah. like will routes or you know swings. All, yeah. yeah, it's all stuff out from the running back position. You're thinking, okay, maybe James White type of guy, type of comp, but he's not really that, especially if he's going to play wide receiver. Like, yeah, I find it interesting. Some of these guys, it's tough just because. Mm-hmm. If you're switching positions, you know, who knows? And that's what happened with like Antonio Gibson last year. You know, no one was really high on him because it was like total switch in positions and right guys freaking phenomenal as a running back. Like that was awesome to see. So um John, who who do you got for rounding out the top ten? Your your six through ten. So I have Tillen Walls at eleven because I've watched mm-hmm. enough Oklahoma State. I, I see exactly what you're saying, Tommy. There, there's <laughs> I'm not in love with those routes at Oklahoma State the old Baylor offense. So I dig yeah. him for the system. I think it kind of balances out the early breakout age. Yeah, that's tough. Not a lot of success coming out of Oklahoma State. Some good ones. Des Bryant was actually, yep. you know, he was great. But that was because of physicality and, you know, fortitude and just his ability to mentally beat people with this physical nature of the game. Mm-hmm. He's not he wasn't getting a lot of separation and once he lost that little bit, we saw we saw how fast his career just came to a, a dragging halt. Justin Blackman unfortunately off mm-hmm. the field props. James Washington has not converted. He was the Bolitnikov award winner. I was very high on James Wa- I have a higher grade on James Washington than I do on Tillon Wallace and he hasn't you know, made it yet. And he was on a good team that identifies yeah. wide receivers. Right. You know, the Steelers are good at finding them. They coach them up. <laughs> and James Wall, James Washington's been beat by Deontay Johnson and Chase Claypool. So yeah. I, I, I'm putting Dylan, Dylan Wallace at 11. Number 10 is Deami Brown. Um, a little frustrated, a little sad with his athletic, not as, not as hopeful as I thought. I have him at number 10 there. My number nine is Kadarius Toney. I know the NFL likes him more than I do, but he's bigger than I thought. I did not expect him to be 193 pounds. He looks like a featherweight, 5'11", 193. I actually think he can now play the Z and the inside. So I I moved him up a little bit. You know, I think I'm ahead of Tillon Wallace. He's better than I thought. His size is better. His athletic ability was better. So I don't worry too much about the um, late breakout. You know, things happen. He was a quarterback in high school. Try to put it in context. And my friends, he had Felipe Franks throwing passes to him. If you don't know who Felipe Franks was, please go and flip on some tape. You'll be amazed at how poor he plays, actually. It's at a new level. So that might be some of the context there for Kadarius Toney. I have Amon Ross St. Brown at number eight. I'm higher on him than most. I do like him. I think he's he's a better athlete than I thought. 5'11, 197. But his 40-yard dash is three cone drill and 20-yard shuttle. All hit my benchmarks for a, a player his size. I like him a lot. Nice. Um number seven, I have um Terrace Marshall, who I you know we talked about before. And number six is Rondell Moore. Moore has been one of the most challenging studies i've had in the eight years five seven breakout since then he has not been very good i mean everyone talks about like it was 2018 that's a long time now and then there you know so that bothers me 
And then there was someone who put on like his targets on Twitter. And 90% of his targets are like within eight yards of the line of scrimmage. Yep. Like they just peppered him, manufactured and designed a whole offense around Rondell Moore. I don't think that happens at the NFL level. Now I do it won't. They're not going to design an offense around a five seven wide receiver. They're just not going to do it. So I think his ceiling. When I do my grading, I also think about ceiling and floor. I think he has a low ceiling, nice floor. I think you have a floor of a 50 to 60 catch wide receiver, you know, 600 yards, six touchdowns, something like that. You do have a ceiling of maybe 75 to 80 catches, but I think he will be limited. The big red flag I had, he only averaged 10.8 yards per catch. When I saw that number, I had a double take. I went on three sites, ESPN, College Football Reference, and the Purdue site. I'm like, is that actually true? He averaged 10.8? I mean, like, that's really bad. That's almost as bad as Juju. <laughs> yeah, he's in the Juju range. Yeah. So, so I, But I do believe he can get immediate separation. You can play him in the slot and in the in the inside and in four receiver sets. You could probably play him a little bit in the um backfield. I just think his ceiling is limited in landing spot. Like, let's just take it to the for two or three years. Dante Adams, Aaron Rodgers, he fits. Put him in Chicago, forget about it. I'm out. Well, so you know Green Bay's of, not drafting a wide receiver, though. It's not well, I, oh, I know. I'm just saying. You know, I mean, if I could make them, if I could dream of the perfect landing spot, right? He would yeah, fit, absolutely perfect. Yeah, be you know, yeah. in a four receiver set with uh, Marquez Valdez Scantling running a deep post. You got a double Devonte, and then you just leave Rondell Moore one on one. I mean, it'd be perfect. Yeah, <laughs> but, he's, the, but you're right. They're yeah. not. What did you say, Jetpack? Uh, he'd be the Debo Samuel of that. You yes. know, Shanahan, Lafleur. It'd be per- it'd be fantastic. Yeah. Him, so Landon- Elijah Moore, Rondell Moore, whatever yeah, slot they get, they'll get a yeah. guy. They got to. Well, they there's a lot of high receivers in this draft. This is actually good for Green Bay. Yeah, it's perfect. <laughs> there's a bunch of guys they could fit. Kadarius Tony could fit in there. Like, yeah. there's a lot of those guys in this draft. Yeah. Uh, so I, I think too. I think too that. Sorry, I don't want to interrupt. If we were at, no, no, you get the six, no. John. Go for I it. I think too. One of the, one of the interesting things about all these slot guys that are coming out, right? And the way that I'm grading or the way that I'm looking at it is, you have to know that they're going to be playing with a Devontae Adams or they're going to be playing with a Michael Thomas. So some of those targets that they're sharing, they're already built into their draft capital or they're already built into where you think they're going to be just based on their skill set alone. And so, you know, I think you can run through and you can say, hey, if I'm just doing analytical profiling, oh, this guy broke out, he had a lot of yards, whatever, because they gave him a, a bunch of small passes. Um, and, and you miss kind of the value of what's this guy's skill set? What, what is a team that he's going to go to? So you can kind of predict ahead of time, hey, this guy's going to be playing alongside some other X stud. Um, and, and I think that that's, you know, kind of relevant in the overall, you know, plan. I think that goes jetpack with my simpatico belief. 
Yeah. Like, right. Does the yeah. coaching staff and the yeah. scouting and the organization understand how to put together a unit, right? Like Nico Collins would be a waste in Green Bay. It's mm-hmm. a redundancy of assets. You you know, you got guys, not that Mar- Marquez Valdez-Scantling is great, but you don't need Nico Collins with those other players, right? Like he right. doesn't fit that unit, what that offense is trying to do. Sometimes that happens though, like – well, you know, like in the NFL, it's like so weird. Like sometimes they'll just do that. Like I'll draft it. You'll just be like, why did they pick that guy? You know, and like it's not it, for some reason they don't think it that way, or they just like pick their guy. You know, that's like who they they want, regardless of how it's actually going to fit and the simpatico on, on the team and and actually getting production. Yeah, I mean, I'm big into like how the team, you know, how the team composes wide receiver room is very important in my book. Yeah. Yeah, it's huge, um, and and it's a great thing to look at too for fantasy because I I don't think a lot of the average player looks at that, uh, but it matters so much uh, for real football, you know. And and if uh, a team is in sync and doing well uh, in real life, it's going to translate to fantasy success because the better they do on the field, the more fantasy points they can put up. Um, but it, it matters, and uh, I know a few people that definitely. Um, for a redraft, especially make their picks uh, based on, on on situation and cohesion with the team. Uh, my, my brother, uh, that's exactly how he makes every one of his draft picks uh, is, is who he thinks, uh, you know, gels with the quarterback or with the scheme or the coach. Um, to, to round out my top 10, I have Terrace Marshall at six. Uh, he, he was a lot higher for me, but I've moved him down a bit. Uh, Jalen Waddle at seven. Um, Seth Williams at eight. Elijah Moore at nine and Tylen Wallace at 10. Um, but after talking to you guys, I'm probably going to switch mine up again. Um, Cause you all made some great points, especially with Rondell Moore uh, and some of these other guys. Uh, so again, that's why I like bringing guys like you on my show so I can learn from you guys, adjust my process and who I have ranked here. Um, so and so as we're getting, capital, and you know, <laughs> exactly. I mean, think about it. What if Nico Collins gets drafted before Tillen Wallace, which is clearly a possibility from what I'm reading. You know, there yeah. are teams that like Nico Collins before this. So yeah, what if Nico goes and Tillon Walsh goes third, Nico goes second? That does end depend on landing spot, right? But that right. changes things also, right? Right. Yeah, yeah. And so that's why I love all this pre-draft talk because, like, everything either gets thrown out the window completely or just reworked after the draft. <laughs> um, you know, and, and you know, one thing I was thinking about when you guys were talking about Rondell Moore and, and – um, for me, I think it's like, he's one of those guys like Jalen Rager was last year. That was like, so talked up and hyped up on Twitter, uh, that I had to start paying attention a little bit more to him and maybe not necessarily inflated his value or his, his ranking, um, beyond what I originally thought it was or what it should be, but definitely, um, influence where I started to like place some of these guys because I'm like, if all these smart guys are saying it, like it must be true. Right. But, um, I mean- but talking to you guys, it helps bring me back down to reality because <laughs> I think you guys have a better clear head um less, I mean, Tom less Jetpack, guys. you ever see rondell moore getting 1400 yards receiving like is that even in his realm of outcomes yeah no, like scrimmage yards right yeah. no no i mean receiving <laughs> yards but that's that's why i don't understand how people can have them at the top of the charts if i'm drafting that stud receiver in their range of outcomes better be a 1300 yard season Right, like <laughs> if I don't yeah. have that, why yeah, am Ron, I drafting? The problem, yeah, I think the problem is Rondell shows up in so many people's top fives, 
And yes. It's hard to make a case for him there. I think so too. I've seen people with them number one. Yep. Yeah. Right. And now I will I will say, you know who doesn't have them in the top ten? And I I, I disagree, but Mel Kuyper, I just looked today, he doesn't have him in the top ten. Oh, Mel Kuyper. <laughs> I mean. <laughs> no, I mean, but that's interesting. Yeah. Because I'm not saying if he's good or bad. What I'm saying is he does listen to NFL right. people. Right. So he's getting yeah. that from somewhere. Yeah. Well, yeah, or right? like uh, ba- Bateman. Bateman, I think he'll be a, he's not he's not gonna be a top pick. He'll fall too. So yeah. there's I think there's you know the a Big Ten or you know, everybody has their SEC bias and all this kind of yes. stuff. But yeah, Bateman's not gonna be a high pick compared, no. you know, relative to, to the way that we see him. Um so yeah, same kind of interest there with Rondale and Bateman and the you know, these guys from smaller schools. Right. Hey, I, I'm hoping Bateman's like T. Higgins. I get him in the second round of dynasty drafts. T. Higgins like fell so much last year. I gobbled him up. Yeah. I had T. Higgins my fourth rated before the draft. So I was still into him, but people plummet. Some people were like, T. Higgins aren't even going to play in the NFL. I'm like, dudes, please. Did you watch the film? I mean, he. No, I get it. He's not an Uber <laughs> athlete. What did you say, Tommy? No, they did it. They didn't watch the film. That's. Oh, well, exactly yeah. I mean, there. yeah, I get why he wasn't a first round pick, right? I understand right. that because of the testing. But man, to say he wasn't going to be a good, at least a good football player. I mean, come right. on, people. <laughs> so now that we hit the top 10 um, and, and we're getting a little bit long on our time here, I want to still kind of keep this relatively short. Me, it's my fault, Tommy. It's I all know. good, though. No, this is what always <laughs> happens. Like, I, I, I want to go short, but like the conversation is always taking it where it's going to take it. So um, I, I've, I loved everything that you guys have both been saying so far. Um, I just, you know, want to be considerate of my listeners. So, uh, now that we're outside the top 10, how about we just go to one guy that you're higher on and lower on at this, at this position, like 10 plus some guy that you're just like way lower on than others. And someone that you might have out there at like 11 or 12, um, that might even crack the top 10, uh, based on landing spot. Uh, John, why don't we start with you? Well, I've already mentioned him. So I've let the, the cat out of the bag. It's Nico Collins. I, I mean, the more the, the testing, I've watched the film again. You know, I had to go back because when I see that athletic ability, I have to say, what did I do wrong? Was it my dislike of Harbaugh? Like, why was I not so convinced that he was great? Right now, I have him at number 13, and he right. could move up even more. I still have more time to watch him. Yeah. So he's the guy who I'm kind of really falling for. So I like him. And the guy I don't see at all. I don't get it. I think he's an undrafted free agent. 2-2 Atwell. I do not get it. I don't get it. He's in Mel Kuyper's top 10. Yeah. I was like, someone just put him up there like super high today. Dude, he's slow and small. Like, he didn't even time well. Like, his 40 was Like, that was his whole thing, right? Exactly. Like, I I actually was like, you got to be kidding me. He timed it that. I thought he was going to do like a – like they talked about him like a 4 2 nine. And yeah. what did he – do you have it, Tommy? Was it like a 4 no, 5 no. 8 or something? Not good. I know that. Yeah, it was not good. Jeez. <laughs> like, <laughs> he's he's like a, the Donnell Pumphrey of wide receivers. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah, that's a great way to put it. I mean, I, I literally would not draft him if I'm a GM. Like they're – I oh, guess yeah. maybe eighth, sixth, seventh round supplemental pick or something, you know. But like, what, are you kidding me? 
Oh, four four two is what I, I'm looking at. Yeah, four four two. Oh, okay. that's, that's crazy. Terrible. Well, okay. you see, for five nine one sixty five. Yeah, for and for what he was supposed he's, to be. I mean, well, that's the funny uh, thing, right? He's one fifty five. He's, <laughs> he's a high schooler. He's yeah, that's not fast. I'm not trying to be rude, but that's not fast for what he's supposed to do. No. No. Yeah, too. Gosh, yeah, and, and uh, I was hoping for two, two, but it's always funny too. Like even Chuba Hubbard today too didn't run like a blazing oh. fast player. It was still good, but when you had all these guys running like four three nine, four three eight, like uh, you know, if you're at LSU pro day, you're running you know sub four flat or yeah. something, um, and and then you get guys that are supposed to be super fast and their numbers aren't that great, and so it's like what you said earlier, John. The show is like with with the, without the combine. Um, I think a lot of things are just have to go back to the tape because like, where do you really trust the numbers? You know, I know they're getting official pro day numbers, but still like, I don't know. I, I guess it ha- you know, we just have to trust that, you know, when it says four, four, two or something that really is that. Um, but Tommy, we are getting bad numbers now. Yeah. Like we are getting bad numbers. So I, I mean, it, I, I will not put it in historical context, but I think there's some relevancy to this class. Does that make sense? Like, I can have some comp, like Seth Williams. Does anyone have his time? I thought it was kind of slow, also. He's four like, five it was, what was it? Four, four five, five. Four five. That's okay, I guess, for his size. Yeah, that's not, better not than I thought. Yeah. That's okay. Um, I'm trying to think. There was some, oh, Sage Surratt, we talked about him. Yeah. Like, he's yeah. basically, he's out. No, right? yeah. he's done. He's gone. Yeah, I did a thread on Sage. That's how like much I liked Sage coming through. Like, be my sleeper pick. Yeah, he's gonna show up at the. He's gonna show up at the uh, Senior Bowl. He's gonna kick ass. He's gonna show up at the combine. Like, didn't do shit. He didn't do, it was it was bad. <laughs> uh, Jetpack, who do you have uh, higher and lower uh, in this wide receiver class? So, uh, film grade wise, Tamori on Terry is a little bit lower for me. Although, my so my challenge is. I'm an upside drafter, right? So if a guy like Terry falls to you, I think in the third round, he's a no-brainer in terms yeah. of what you would do in a dynasty draft. And so, you know, you can look at his film and be, okay, he's, you know, inconsistent here. Or he's afraid to go over the middle sometimes. And so those are things that are going to push him down my grading system. But he's a guy where he's got the upside and if he figures it out mentally, you know, there's a lot for him there. So I do like Terry, but he's a guy that I think overall I'm down on, but in terms of the way I'd grade, but I would, I would take him in the third round. I think that's where he's going to go for people that are looking at that and saying, Oh, he ran, I think he ran four or five or something like that. So he ran a little bit slower. He's a little bit shorter than what people wanted. um, And definitely not as heavy. I think he was like two, two Oh nine or something like that. And so people were expecting him to be this athletic freak that he's not as much. Um, And, but I think play wise, he's, he's faster than what he timed at. So He'll be an interesting guy um, that you can get some value on, um, even though I'm a little bit lower on him. And then a guy that I like from a football standpoint that is now going to be a fantasy UDFA is uh, Daz Newsom. Oh, yeah. He's UDFA now. Yeah, Daz Daz ran 4'6", and he's small. um, But he's to me, he's Jamison Crowder. And so you'll get him, and, you know, he can be some sort of, you know, guy that is your gem – and if he if he hits with the team or if he sticks with the team and you'll see if if it's like one of those things where you'll watch a guy and you'll see him pop for one game and you ask yourself, do I hop on the waiver wire and go and get this guy? 
is it right. even worth it? He's a, you know, he's a seventh round pick or he's a, he's an undrafted free agent. And to me, if you ever see any blink from Daz, he's a, he's a guy that I'd want to get because he's a good football player. He knows what he's doing um, when he's working in the middle of the field. He's very creative. Um, and so just in terms of his game, I, I really appreciate uh, what Daz has put out on film. I like that. I agree. I yeah. loved him at North Carolina. But yeah, the, he's a good ball player. Yeah, but now it's just like, you know, UDFA. Right. I just feel sorry for their quarterback. Um, Sam Howell? Sam, oh, he's toast. Yeah, I mean, just have, <laughs> he's toast. <laughs> In this class, man, you have like all this talent and it's all gone. Yeah, he's a mega fade for me. Yeah. He's yeah, a mega fade. Are you, are you a Sam Howell guy, John? I am from an NFL prospect, and I'll tell you this, because someone asked me about this on a Devi podcast the other day. I'm kind of glad this is happening to him because it's going to make him go through adversity. And I'm a big believer as I like my quarterbacks to go to it through adversity at the college level so that they have to fight through some losing and then can he take up the leadership mantle. So I'm not, I'm going to be watching him because I do love the NFL talent, but I, I'm not stupid. The, the talent he had around him was just silly. So obviously, right, like his numbers are good because as a freshman, he was surrounded by incredible talent. But I'm kind of interested to see how he grows and how he handles what looks like a difficult season ahead. Does that make sense? Like, I I think this is good for him. I'm, I'm glad that this is happening, that he has to become the leader and find out how to be successful when he's got to lead. So I think this is important for him. But, yes, he could be like, I love college fantasy football. It's very scary drafting him this year because his numbers could be down. <laughs> I mean, yeah. they could be down. But he could actually learn a lot from a NFL leadership perspective. Does that kind of make sense? Yeah. No, I get that. I just you know, felt bad. <laughs> no, I mean I don't like when I don't like when my quarterback just has smooth sailing. I want them to have adversity. Honestly, I think Matt Leiner is the best example of that. Yeah, I, I went to high school with that guy, and his high school was chill. He didn't have to do anything. College was yeah. chill. He didn't have to do anything. <laughs> he didn't have to do anything. NFL gone. <laughs> yeah, and and same thing. Who was Mark Sanchez? Yeah, right. He had a, he had yeah. a pretty chill. Yep, yeah, Mission so Viejo High School. Like, he's a local kid too. Very chill life. <laughs> yes, still has a chill life, right? Yeah, my uh, my buddy always says you you never want to have uh, a kid <laughs> that grew up with uh, with crown molding because by the time they get to the NFL, if they make it, then their life wasn't hard enough and they've had no adversity. So you need no, those. I, I look at, you need those kids I, with chips on the shoulder. <laughs> I I think there's a little bit of truth to that, and that's why I actually you want to know something. I respect Trevor Lawrence because he's actually, I mean, to be the number one, we've been talking about this kid yeah. for five oh, years. Man. And I'll tell you, I'm still impressed with that young man. Yeah. He seems now, I could be totally wrong. I'm a historian. I get human nature. Like he could be doing stuff that we just don't have any idea. But I'll say this publicly speaking, he seems to have his head on his, and he seems to be able to deal. This is, it's like Peyton Manning. Yeah. Peyton Manning, people like that is royalty to be a Manning, yep. right? Like, I mean, and Eli came to New York City, 
as a Manning, and he won two Super Bowls. People don't give him enough. I'm from the Northeast, man. You live up here. They're, we're brutal. We are brutal up here, man. There's no chill, as Tommy would say. There's no chill up here, man. And to be coming as, as a, a, a Manning and win two Super Bowls in New York, that's a hard thing to do. That's Very not right. – not everyone could – I've seen people fold in New York City – as a Yankee or a member of the Mets and the Jets. I mean, completely collapse psychologically and competitively. So there's a lot of things that Trevor Lawrence do that I think is fascinating because how many kids at 17 could have kept it together? I was a train wreck. If yeah. I was 17 at his age, I'd probably be half in the grave by the time I was 21. What that? I mean, come on, man. Kid's been—he's he, been great. Let's now. This is obviously another level, right? Going to Jacksonville, but we'll see. So, so one guy that I'm I'm higher on um, that's in this ten plus range uh, is Marcus Stevenson, uh, just because that kid is so fast and you cannot teach yeah. speed. Uh, didn't run like a four three like I was hoping, um, but still love that four four six speed. Um, and I think landing spot will be huge for him, but I think, you know, if he gets to the right team, um, he could be a nice sleeper, you know, someone in the late third, early fourth round pick, um, you know, a nice bench stash that could turn into something later. Um, and so before we finish it out for the night, uh, we want to, you know, keep with tradition here at the two on one fantasy sports, uh, and leave our listeners with a couple of free nuggets. And so that's any words of wisdom, advice, anything that you have to leave, uh, leave the listeners today. So Jetpack, why don't we start with you with your free nuggets? Oh, let me go after John actually. Okay. Let me, let we'll, me, we'll give me a moment. Okay. I hit you with that one. <laughs> um, my first free nugget <clears throat> would be don't, draft average running backs free nuggets jet pack mentioned he's looking for upside ramadre stevenson there's nothing guys there's nothing don't draft them i just finished don't my review them. the other day uh, i'm just he, 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 you can't overpay for these average and i've been trapped i've fallen for the trap last year it was Keyshawn vaughn i fell for it I jumped two feet in. These average running backs in the third, fourth round, Royce Freeman ending up in Denver, coming out of Oregon. I liked him coming out of Oregon. Don't fall for these average running backs. I'd rather get peppered with Amon Ross St. Brown, you know, get get someone like Tillon Wallace or even Amari Rogers than just dip into this pool of these average running backs that you just don't know their interest in DFS plays. If they get an opportunity and you need an emergency starter, I love them. But I can't overpay for these average running backs who, and some people are in love. I've seen Ramadre Stevenson in the top five. I'm like, holy, what are you watching? Like, I don't get it. And I could be wrong. I've been wrong in the past. But I'm not I'm going to let someone else pay a (laughs) second-round draft pick for Ramadre Stevenson. I think I tweeted that out the either yesterday or today. Like, who has Ramondre Stevenson in their top five? I just wanted to see it. I wanted to see the truthers out there on Twitter. Uh, who, who's gonna, you know, stand die on a hill for for him? And no one, no one said anything. So no, you know what? I think it's the NFL, Tommy. I think it's the NFL guys like him. 
There is a def- I don't know if you know. I'm I'm old, I mean, so I I'm married with kids, so I'm bored a lot. So I search okay. around. There's a different difference in the NFL yes. verse and the Twitter verse on how they look at players. Yeah. I think Ramadre Stevenson is going to be higher in the NFL verse and scouting departments than we like him. But I think he's a jag. Well, and that's where I always get into the fall into the trap um, when I'm doing my rank- rankings on rookies, you know, is looking at it from an NFL perspective versus a fantasy perspective. And I find myself getting caught up a little bit more in the NFL perspective and having to remind even myself, even though I write for a fantasy football website, this is a fantasy football <laughs> podcast, that we need a rank for fantasy football, right? Yeah. Um, but some of these guys you look at and you're just like, well, they do fit on the NFL team. Like, you're, I agree, John. There's some great things about Ramondre Stevenson's game um, that would fit on an NFL team as a great role player. Um, yeah. It's just not going to be great for fantasy. I mean, if you like that old school Thunder and Lightning type running back, he's a great Thunder. He reminds me a lot of LeGarrette Blunt without the, without the breakaway speed uh, that he had in college. Um, but he has some he has some some skills that would transfer nicely to the NFL, and that's being a big bruiser. Yes, and there will be a team that wants that package, right? right. They just want the big bruiser, and there's yeah. a role for it in the NFL. I mean, there's. Well, there's and, I mean, know? if if and if the Dolphins don't go early with running back and surprise people, I mean, picking him up later in like the third or fourth round might not be that bad to go with Miles Garrett because you do have that kind of bigger, you know, that thunder and lightning type situation. Um, although I think a lot of people think that. The Dolphins will go with running back pretty early uh, with all the picks and picks and draft capital that they have. I I hope they do, but we'll see what uh, you know. They've been pretty wily. The Dolphins they're building a good team. Yeah. You know they're getting players, and they don't value the running back spot. That's for right. sure. Right. I mean they they got two undrafted free agents, man. <laughs> right. I mean I don't. Okay. Yeah. So I I want them to, Tommy, definitely from a fantasy yeah. perspective. It makes sense. But what we've seen in two years is they do not value the running back from a draft position. They right. do from an actual strategy. They yeah. feed their back, whoever's healthy. Right. They feed them, but they're not going to pay for that. They're, yeah. not, they're not going to do it. Yeah. All right, Jetpack, you got your free nugget. Yeah, so I would, and this John is actually the perfect guy to talk to about this. But oh no, I would say to record and measure what you're working on and your historical like data and rankings and all that. And it's not hard to to pull up your rankings and say, you know, because I think everybody does it on binder paper. They put it somewhere, right? But if you record your analysis on what these rookies are. And you like track your progress and track like, oh, I valued this guy differently and that this has changed over time. Then I think you can really improve your process. So what what gets measured gets improved. And too often, it, you know, we're playing this game of like, oh, yeah, well, this is fun, but I was wrong here. But I don't really remember or it doesn't you know stick with me. I know my misses. I know my hits. But you can if you start tracking it, then you'll know why you missed and why you hit. Free nuggets. And I, I think that's the the next level, right? Everybody who's listening in, you're into the game. And so you just need to, I mean, I'm not saying you need to, but like the, the next level for me was when I started saying, hey, I'm going to make sure that I record stuff and I write down and I figure out, okay, why, do, why did I like this guy and why did he fail? And when you start tracking that, I, I think that's the next level. And so John, I know John has a, John's the historian, right? So John, ah, you're, ah, you, you track so everything. I, I'll say I'll say one thing, which I, I'm pretty adamant about it, but yeah. the, I don't believe there's a purple pill in any metric or any film study. 
because the NFL gets these wrong all the time. And, and we have a lot of smart people trying to figure this out. And there's still look at James Robinson. He was an yep. undrafted free agent, right? And Philip Lindsay. And how many people there were like some people, oh, I like this James Robinson. But it's not like anyone went over the cliff to say, gotta draft James Robinson, yeah. right? Anyone who tells you they knew that, they only no, like talking about Divino Zigbo. Yeah, they only liked him because there was opportunity in Jacksonville. It had nothing to do with this tape. So what I'll say is um, one thing. I'm pretty big on this to go back to Jetpack. I like 30 starts at the quarterback position. It's not a perfect answer. But I go back. Akili Smith coming out of Oregon, coming to Cincinnati. Your boy, Mark Sanchez from L.A., and I was very low on Mitch Trubisky. I had Mitch Trubisky number four that year. I had Mitch Trubisky behind Deshaun Watson, Patrick Mahomes, and Deshaun Kaiser. So I missed it on Kaiser. But, I mean, I did like the, the athletic ability, the playing at Notre Dame. There were things I liked about Kaiser. But it's a miss, I'll tell you. But I was adamant, and people thought I was crazy. I'm like, look, man, I don't see it with Trubisky. I don't see it. And 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 that's why I had Dak Prescott number four. And I remember people like Mel Kuyper and Todd McShay didn't even have him in the top ten. And I'm like, did you not watch the film of Dak Prescott? And he had played like 40 games at Mississippi State. And mm-hmm. I'm like, I knew he had it. I knew he was a gold nugget. So, but my process... Now that does, and that's why I'm a little bit worried. Hey, Lance, I'm lower on him than most. I have him at number four because 17 starts at the FCS level makes me very nervous. And I can't find a guy with 17 career starts in college who has become a superstar in the NFL. It does not mean he won't. And I see the athletic upside. His arm is great. He he I, I say he's um he's Randall Cunningham and Cam Newton rolled into one. I get it. But is 17 starts enough at the FCS level to prove NFL capable? I'm not convinced. I have him at number four, but I see some people have him at number one. But that I'm pretty so my process says you gotta look at those games played because yeah. it's it's a flag. That's historically proven out to be a danger. I love it. I love it. I love those free nuggets. Uh, and thank you guys both so, so much for joining me on the two-on-one fantasy sports podcast, where you can find anywhere that you download and listen to podcasts just by searching the undroppables and you will bring up all four just four, yeah. Just four of our great <laughs> podcast in the network. But we have a fifth one, but it's not officially a pod yet. But anyway. Uh, but yeah, just go wherever you go to, to listen to podcasts. Subscribe to the Undroppables, 2 on 1 Fancy Sports. And of course, the Fancy Football Astronauts. And John, is your podcast on on uh, Apple and iTunes and all that? It is. It's on all those. I mean, Matt's the um, production expert and the engineer guy. But I know it's available on Apple podcasts and spotify and all those spots but yeah it's it's available everywhere but if you really want to see it's on youtube you can go to rookie big board on youtube that's the best spot and go subscribe to their channel subscribe to the undroppables channel subscribe to the fantasy football astronauts channel and go check out the astronauts draft room 
both these guys are great and i'm so happy for you guys to come talk to me because you bring such a wealth of knowledge and anyone listening please go follow both these guys on twitter at jetpack galileo at gridiron skull 91 i'm tommy mo for two-on-one fantasy sports you can find me everywhere at two-on-one ffb and until next time thanks guys for stopping by thanks for talking to me let's see you on the next one peace if you do this for me, you will be a made man. Are you working? Yeah, I have a kind of work here. My team is a rush. She flawless. The synopsis is we going to the top. And really, there is no other option. Opposition start tripping. I laugh. They even try to top this. Embarrass competition like women caught in public topless. Toxic flows. I lock and low. Blow minds explode. No crimes patrol. Just fighting codes. Get broken by those that's supposed to be your bros. Blood is mud because loyalty is gold. Rolling OGs get blown. Guarding grow bringing the heat like the streets is stone. Resurrecting real tracks just to kill this beat that's old. Unleashing beast. Saying cheese and royalties get so Bringing so much hot fire that I breathe out smoke Believing, achieving, succeeding over demons Trying to test me, give me a reason to take away air you breathe in Punch like punching your teeth in Confident, never conceded I clock in that race of cheaters Dashing and dodging policemen Leaking ether out the speakers like a faucet And taking flights to the cosmics I'm breaking up all this bread So I'm well fed in all my pockets Instead of killing your conscience We spreading important words like messages from ancient prophets Stop it, hold up and get a tighter grip of this Still spitting lyrics sicker than sip no physicists can stop the sickness from destroying phonies into increments I'm on a higher stage, lighting up like a fireplace Headed for the moon, it feels like my entire mind's erased Pushing heavy place, weakling still on that minor weight Sniper rifle flowing, murky chunks from many miles away Yeah